0: As I've done hundreds of times in the past, I'm on the local train from my village to Geneva Airport, where in a few hours I'll take a flight that brings me to San Francisco later today. It's a trajectory I know very well, and it usually brings no surprises. The train ride is short, calm, and almost invariably on time. Yes, I I live in Switzerland. When I arrive at the airport, pass through security, walk to the gate, and eventually board, I hardly see the complexity of the mini city that is the airport. The simplicity and magic that permits me to leave my little Swiss village and travel seamlessly to the other side of the world. Well, well, what's different nowadays from what I remember when I started flying some 40 years ago. Chances are you've heard about the plane with the spiral staircase in first class. The plane with the two wide aisles and the three widescreen movies and the eight-foot ceilings in economy. And chances are you've wondered, who's going to get this incredible bird off the ground? Back then, it was something glamorous. Even as a young man, I'd arrive at the airport with a jacket, you know, sports coat, maybe even wearing a tie. And I even remember one time where my mother was wearing a fur. You flew without a conscience because flying meant that you were somebody, that in a sense, no pun intended, you'd arrived. Today, I'm dressed in comfortable jeans and running shoes, looking forward to settling down into my seat, diving into my work, watching a few movies, and glad that I paid for those carbon credits. and that's the moment when I wake up. Obviously, I've not flown anywhere in quite some time. Thank you, COVID-19. Still, if you think about it, the transportation industry is an amazing network of activities and actors. It allows us to fly around the world comfortably, easily, and at relatively low cost. Looking at passenger traffic alone, it is an industry that employs almost 90 million people globally, Travel and tourism's direct and indirect impact accounted for over 10% of global GDP in 2019, almost $9 trillion. But aviation and the travel it enables comes at an environmental cost, which for some is unacceptable. For me, with what I've learned creating this podcast series, business as usual is not an option. Should I fly?
1: That was my colleague, Dr. Jim Pulkrano, dreaming and wondering about travel. Whether it's for commerce, holidays, or finding a mate, travel is an integral part of our modern lives. It's almost magical, but it also has a cost. Though air safety is better than road transport, security, whether that be crashes or terrorists, is still an issue and grabs headlines and emotions. Noise around airports is still something that people fight about. Just ask those who are protesting the construction of the third runway at Heathrow. And of course, airplanes aren't just emitting sound pollution. Before COVID, they were accounting for 2.5% of total global carbon emissions. In the past, being a frequent flyer was a sign of success. But today, our children turn up their noses at flying. The pandemic suddenly cleared the skies And cut the noise. Thank you, COVID. However, the virus also canceled your vacation, emptied the airports, and cost many aviation and tourism jobs. The giant COVID 19 reset has inspired Jim and me to take a deep and broad look at mobility and air transport in particular. Aviation is at a turning point. Its biggest shakeup since the invention of the jet engine. Since coming out of Africa millennia ago, humankind has always traveled. This will not change. It's part of who we are as a species, but the airline industry will change. It will change because it needs to. Its profitability and sustainability are tightly intertwined. It will change because options such as Zoom or working from home are now easy and palatable to most of us. It will change because entrepreneurs see huge opportunities and promising technologies are within our grasp. It will change because cities, whether as hubs or destinations, depend on accessibility and income from airports, airlines, and tourists. I'm Patrick Reinmuller, professor at IMD, and together with uh, Dr. Jim Polgrano, I want to help you to understand this moment for what it is, an inflection point in the history of travel.
0: And to do that, we're going to take you on a journey through the present and into the future of aviation and try to answer the questions that we have and that we believe you might have about flying. We'll go behind the scenes at a formerly busy airport, into the communities campaigning for change, talk with pilots, explore startups where the future of aviation is being mapped out, and together with them, try to understand where this industry is going and how we'll continue to travel over the next 50 years. As we start this journey, we don't know how aviation will or should change. And we don't know what our answers to the question, should I fly are or should be. We invite you to follow this six-episode podcast as we talk with airline bosses, environmental activists, entrepreneurs, investors, and travelers.
1: The COVID-19 pandemic has indeed been a giant reset for many things, air travel in particular. Yes, we had an Icelandic volcano erupt and shut down parts of Europe for a few weeks back in April, May 2010. But that didn't come close to what we've experienced since March 2020. So we no longer have to imagine what a world would be like without air travel. And hey, we've survived without flying. But it also seems clear that we'll fly again. And you may have already started doing so. Think of all the reasons that we have for taking to the air. And also listen to whether some of these voices sound like you. I live in London and my son who's 11 lives overseas and the only way for me to see him regularly is to get on a plane. So in spite of any guilt I might feel about the environmental impacts of that, there's just this other
2: undeniable reason for me to overlook it and and fly.
3: Well, I have a dilemma because I love to travel, but all of my travel is for leisure or family and therefore is not deemed to be essential uh, I know this is not good for the environment, but I don't want to stop completely. A
0: young professional in the United States recounted to us that over the past three years, he had flown to 12 different countries in an equal number of locations in the United States, including Alaska, Lapland, Tahiti, Costa Rica, Taipei, Morocco, and Belize, all of it as a tourist. And when we asked why, He said it was out of curiosity and a hunger to learn about other peoples and places. I myself have close to a million frequent flyer miles with Swiss International Airlines, 90% of that for work that I cannot do with Zoom
4: it's tricky a
1: family in different countries etc but i'm offsetting my flights and
3: i'm very much motivated by my children who really keep me accountable who are environmental activists themselves and will ask me
1: uh, whether these flights are necessary or not
0: we asked bracken darrell ceo of logitech based in california and switzerland how important flying
4: is to him so so first of all, flying is important for me and for many people for a couple of reasons. First, you know, I think meeting physically in some cases will still be valuable. And second, going to explore the world, whether it's for tourism or for work, is always valuable. It teaches you more about yourself. and makes you more empathetic. And certainly it gives you the dose of humility that all of us need on a regular basis. I will say I think my travel will probably be much less than it was. I was a very heavy traveler. I would have been in the upper 1% or less, one-tenth of 1% maybe. I was traveling 60 70% of the time, going to Europe every month, uh, traveling to Asia four to six times a year, and then traveling within those places. So I would guess my travel will be cut in half from there. Um, But I still think travel will continue to be super important. These
1: are several voices that represent millions of others. Flying for holiday, curiosity, business, and family. We asked Andrea Ufer,
2: an experienced long-haul pilot, what he thought. I think whether a volcano, neither a pandemic, will kill people's will or, how do you say it, a strive to, to, to travel. People want to travel. Once they get the shelter, once they get to eat, they want to they wanna see what's around. And flying is one of the most effective means of travel around the world. And I don't think that these uh, issues will be able to, to kill aviation. I don't think so. The main threat for me in aviation is the energy supply of aviation in the future. That's the challenge for me. How are we going to manage to have the energy to to fly in the, the airplane in, in the future, because uh, for the time being now, the airplanes fly with fossil fuels. And this is not an endless resource.
0: We also asked Eric Stevenson, an American living in Paris, who survived two serious airline near catastrophes, including the very famous miracle on the Hudson, whether he still flies and why.
3: Oh yes, absolutely. I fly because I've been able to put the two incidents in perspective. And and that is that one is just that the odds of this happening are so incredibly remote that I, the chances of it ever happening again are, are just, in, just negligible. Um, secondly, I don't want those two incidents to block who I am or what I need to do in my life. And I don't want them to be... A, an unnecessary hindrance. And so I'm able to put them in their place and I'm able to have actually learned from them and say, wow, I've hit the jackpot twice in life, the, the, the jackpot, if you will, the lottery of living. And, and, and I'm able then to say, right, I, I, I need to benefit from that. And I want to profit from that. I want to either enjoy my life, further my business interests, Help others, whatever the case may be, but I don't want those two incidents to hold me back.
1: We'll hear more from Eric in later episodes. The title of this podcast is Should I Fly? If many of us decide not to fly or to fly less for whatever reasons, what does it mean for each of the actors, such as airports, aircraft manufacturers, tourism dependent locales, and airlines? And why am I even asking the should I fly question, because COVID has suddenly made us aware of the environmental impact of flying. What questions do we need answers to in order to form a response to should I fly? You certainly have others, but here is what Jim and I listed.
0: What is the real impact from commercial passenger aviation on global warming?
1: Besides simply looking at CO2 emissions, are there any other negative impacts that I
0: should consider when choosing to fly? A third question, do I really need to travel long distances, whether that is for work, pleasure, or family?
1: What are my alternative means of travel, and how do they compare when I look at time, cost, and CO2 emissions.
0: Fifth, if I choose to fly, what can I do to reduce my environmental impact?
1: Sixth, from a societal perspective, how equitable is flying? Is flying still a privilege of the rich?
0: In the foreseeable future, will travel get better? Are technologies improving so that the environmental impact is reduced? If so, does this mean that cost will go up? or that my travel time will be lengthened, will air travel be less comfortable?
1: Eight, if I choose to fly, can I be easily informed of the type of jet I'll be flying on and its environmental
0: impact? Do I have a choice? And finally, if I choose not to fly or to fly less, what is the impact on jobs, the region around an airport, and the fact that there will be less revenue for the local government? Without or with less air travel, what about my own effectiveness as a family member, friend, or business person? So there you go. You have our nine questions. Take a few minutes to think of your own. In the next episode, we're going to give you a picture of the dilemma we're in, between our hardwired need to travel and the environmental cost. In further episodes, we'll then discuss the big obstacles to change in aviation, whether that be airports, airlines, aircraft, regulation, or technology, or even us. The environmental situation, up against our need and desire to travel, it might seem complex and intractable, almost unsolvable. But there are answers and opportunities. For example, on July 13th, United Airlines and one of its subsidiaries agreed to buy 200 19-seat electric planes from a Swedish startup starting in 2026 for short-haul flights. Five years from now. That's exciting. Okay, on the other hand, United also recently announced that they're buying 270 new but normal aircraft from Boeing and Airbus. But still, it's a great step in the right direction.
1: Another heartening example was the announcement by All Nippon Airways and Swiss International Airlines that they would begin using sustainable aviation fuel, SAF for short. Also, American Airlines committed to buy 9 million gallons of SAF over three years. This fuel being used is produced by Neste of Finland. It comes from sustainably sourced renewable waste and residue raw materials and reduces by 80% the greenhouse gas emissions
0: as compared to normal jet fuel. Through the rest of the series, we'll be looking for more answers and opportunities, taking a one big area of aviation at a time, hoping to answer the questions that you might have as a traveler and business person. Over these episodes, Listen, reflect, inform your thoughts on what the travel industry will look like, what is right, what is wrong, what is possible, or what's just fantasy, and whether you want to continue to travel as you have.